Today, I have pulled four stories of people navigating the very, very difficult job of parenting. I have tried to pull stories from four very different stages of parenting, and I'm going to be sharing my unscripted and unfiltered takes and advice. So let me tell you, it's about to get real. Welcome to Masala Takes. This is where I share my takes on stories from the internet and topics related to culture, identity, community, and human dynamics. Today we are going to be going through a couple of stories from Reddit that I found on parenting, so I'm just going to dig right into it. Let's get started. Today's first story is from a subreddit called Am I the A-Hole, where people basically post their stories on the internet and they allow the internet to judge them on whether they were the A-Hole in the specific scenario. So let's get started. Am I the A-Hole for yelling at my son after he damaged my car? Earlier this year, I, male 49, bought a Ford Mustang, which I absolutely love. My wife, female 46, was never too fond of the car, but my son, male 17, loves it, probably even more than I do. A few days ago, my wife and I had to leave town to visit her aunt, female 78, who has been ill. My son had driven the Mustang before, but only under my supervision and knows he's not allowed to drive it when I'm not around. After we came back, I went to wash up in the bathroom, and when I came out, my wife and son were both waiting for me. My wife told me that while I was in the bathroom, our son took the Mustang for a drive with his friends and slightly damaged it. I felt betrayed and I told my son that he knew he wasn't allowed to drive it on his own for this exact reason. And he apologized, mentioning the damage is very light. I went to check the car and I saw that the front right wheel was slightly bent, with damage to the bumper and headlight. And I suspect there may be damage under the car as well. I went back inside to the house and yelled at my son, expressing how he lied about the damage and I called him an idiot. I then asked him how exactly the damage happened and he told me that he went to drive with his friends and they wanted to see how the car drove. I told my son that he is the least intelligent member of his friend group and that they took advantage of that. I also informed him that he will be responsible for paying off all of the car's damage. At this point, he became quiet, avoiding eye contact. I didn't speak with him for the rest of the day and he continued avoiding eye contact. That evening, my wife told me that I was being way too harsh and that he's obviously upset. She suggested that I talk to him more gently before bed so that he doesn't resent me. I replied that I've already said everything I wanted to say and that if she wants to talk to him, she can. She then expressed that my reaction has been disproportionate. I shouldn't place such a large value on something that can be repaired. Feeling exhausted and frustrated, I said goodnight to her and went to bed. But am I the a-hole? So I think this person's son obviously did something that was unsafe and not cool and they obviously lied to their dad and I think it's really natural for this dad to have reacted in the way that he did because he was upset and I'm guilty of that too like when I'm upset in the moment I say things and sometimes I'm like oh I shouldn't have said it that way because you know it wasn't very nice and here's the thing when you say things in certain ways the message that you're trying to get across can be totally lost if you use the wrong wording And if you're the type of person who does that in these stressful moments, you should at least be able to backtrack and like your wife said, go and talk to your son. I think telling your son that, you know, his decision was terrible and he has to pay for the mistake, like those are all natural consequences. Um, And it makes sense. You damage the car, you pay for the damage. That's a natural consequence and the child will likely learn the lesson better that way than if it was a random consequence, like you have to go to your room or you have to give me your cell phone, which is not proportional or related to the car. So I think that all of those tactics are great. I think the son should be paying for the damage. I think it makes sense that the son should be held accountable in a certain way. But 
I think where this dad becomes a little bit of the a-hole is when he told his son that he was the least intelligent member of his friend group. Those kinds of things stick with kids. That's all he's going to remember about this incident. And that's just such a terrible thing to hear and to internalize because language does matter when you're speaking to kids or teenagers. I mean, I remember I grew up in Canada and my relatives, most of them grew up in India. And every couple of years, we would go to India to visit and they had a really, really bad outlook on Canadian education. And they made sure that I knew it. And every time I would go there, they would pull out their school books and be like, do you know about photosynthesis? Do you know about all the, you know, capitals of all the countries in the world? And invariably, that answer was no, because we didn't learn it yet, or, you know, it wasn't a part of our curriculum. And they would be like, oh my goodness, you don't learn anything in Canada. That's so dumb. And hearing that as a kid, even if it was from my peers, even if it didn't make sense, it made me feel really insecure about my education. It made me feel really insecure to advocate for myself in front of people who had an education outside of the country, which is crazy now looking back because we're all, you know, equally employed and equal kind of places all around the world. Um, but it doesn't, and it doesn't really make a difference in the long run. But hearing those things as a kid really stuck with me and it changed the way that I interacted with people around me the way I interacted in the workforce. So I think that while this dad has a right to get angry, I think that the dad should probably go back, have a talk with the son to be like, hey, this language wasn't cool. Typically, I've noticed that the top comments tend to echo what I'm feeling or what I'm saying without the, of course, they see lens. Uh, so I'm going to be trying to find comments and viewpoints that are slightly different from mine so that we can see, you know, what other people are saying. So the top comment and excerpt from that says, I suggest you talk to your son about his wrongdoings and yours. This way he might understand that people, even his dad, can make some mistakes in the moment, but that everyone always has to at least try and correct them. You correct your mistake and he sees you correcting your mistake. You can be a good and realistic role model as he tries to correct his mistake. This is a really great tangible recommendation for this dad, I think. And um, I love that you know, we can model the behavior that we want our children to model as well. And that's super important. So I love that. The second top comment says, not the a-hole. Teens in muscle cars can be fatal. He was hot rodding and showing off. And that's why there was an accident. I hope he learns his lesson. And I'm sure you learn to keep the keys with you going forward. While the overall verdict on this post was a-hole, um, this is actually a really good point, And I didn't consider this point when I was thinking of my take because I was thinking about the son's feelings but also the stake is actually completely correct like when you know people say don't yell at your kids but if your little kid is running across the street you want to scream you want to scare them into coming back they should know that there's an imminent danger of running onto the street and I think that obviously this teenager and this muscle car is exactly the same scenario like he could have seriously hurt himself. He could have seriously injured the people who were in the car with him. He put himself in a really, really scary and risky position. And he needs to understand the consequences of that. I still don't know if the wording would have gotten the message to the son in the way that the dad wanted to. I mean, I didn't even get the message from, you know, what this dad was saying. But I think that there needs to be a really strong conversation had because this is right. This could have gone a very different way. Um, but yeah, the overall verdict here, a-hole. And overall, my take is you know, we need to be choosing our language carefully and we need to be able to go back and say, hey, I made a mistake and correct them in front of our children. So the next story, so this is from a subreddit called Parenting. 
Um, and basically, people share their parenting questions and journeys, and they're asking people for advice. So this is an advice one. It says, my son fights with husband all the time. So it says, my three-year-old boy has always preferred me, mother. And I know that people say this is a phase, etc. But I'm so tired of playing mediator. He really wants me all the time. And if I go out and let his dad take him out one-on-one, they would quarrel and he would cry at least once in the day and he would literally wait for me to come home and ask dad when I would bring him back every five minutes, which I feel kind of defeats the purpose of bonding time. My son gets annoyed at my husband when he doesn't play right. For example, if my husband suggested they get nuggets for dinner instead of a burger, he would proceed to yell at my husband no, and my husband would get very angry at him for yelling, rightfully so, but would proceed to tell my son that he will not be playing with him if he yells at him, which sends my son spiraling into full-blown meltdowns. This happens 8 out of the 10 times they hang out together with or without me. Today I was home, but it was my rest day, so it was my husband's turn to shower my son. My son wanted me to do it and screamed at my husband to go away. My husband was angry and proceeded to tell my son, Do you think I enjoy showering you? I would not shower you next time. I would just let you be dirty to see how that feels. He was really angry, which sent my son spiraling again. I told my husband to please stop saying such things as they are just escalating the situation and to calm down first. He retorted that he is entitled to be angry and that he's been trying not to be angry at the son for the whole day. I took my son aside and explained to him why daddy was angry, and eventually I got him to calm down and apologize to his father. But my husband said he was still angry because this is not the first time he's yelled at him for no good reason. Husband tells me I would never understand because I have not been on the receiving end of such treatment from my son. On one hand, I recognize it's hard for my partner to regulate his own emotions and forgive my son if, as if nothing happened. On the other hand, our son is three years old. If you're the adult, Can you please adult? And more importantly, I just need a break from being the go-to parent who does everything. Please help. Any comments are welcome. Thank you in advance. Okay, so this is a dynamic I see happen so often where parents expect their toddler children to display a level of emotional maturity that they are not wired to do so. Their, Their brains are literally not ready to have that kind of thought process. This toddler is being a toddler. And I think that the way that this dad is reacting is kind of out of line. Like I always try to empathize with both parents. I know how hard it is when you don't get to spend that much time with your kid. And when you finally do, they're not loving you in the way you want to get loved. But one thing I understand about toddlers, and I don't have one yet, or my baby just became a toddler. So I'm just entering this phase. But one thing I understand about toddlers is that they're fickle and they're expressing their emotions using the limited vocabulary that they have and it might feel really intense like one day they might say they hate you the next day they might say they love you one day dad's the favorite one day mom's the favorite but really what they're looking for at that age is a little bit of control and a little bit of connection and I feel like this dad is really not doing a great job and I actually think that this mom is being way more you know nice to her husband than I would be if I was in the same situation. Because, I mean, first of all, I think it's so silly that this dad, who clearly is not able to control his anger, control his emotions, control the way he feels, expects his three-year-old to do that. And this is a dynamic I have seen in so many South Asian families. I mean, a lot of people in my generation were, you know, physically abused or hit as children growing up in order to get control. This was not me 
at all, not even in the slightest. But I know so many people who had this experience growing up. And I actually had a really frustrating conversation with somebody in the older generation about this topic, where they were laughing about the times that they would hit their son when he was a baby or a a toddler. And I was like, this is illegal all over the world. Like I was like standing up for this. I was pregnant and, you know, I was like entering my boundary era. And I was like, no, 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 this is illegal everywhere. Like there's papers, there's psychology, every research shows that it is not good to hit your kid. Like, I don't even need to go into this in this podcast because you know, right? Like, it's not okay to hit your kids. Um, But this person was like, look, you don't have a kid yet. Just you wait when they behave badly, you won't know what to do. I'm like, okay, so when they don't know how to emotionally regulate and they act out, I'm going to not emotionally regulate and I'm going to act out. Okay, sure. And like, what lesson are we teaching the kid? I don't even know what the answer to that question is, right? And I feel like in this scenario, I imagine it could be really frustrating raising a toddler. Um, But I also think that it's the job of the parents to emotionally regulate, feel like that safe person. And this dad is just not doing that. Like, you don't tell a kid, you know, I'm just taking care of you because I have to. I said this earlier, but the language matters. The kid feels that energy. The kid is melting down, I think, for a pretty good reason. If you treated an other adult the way that adults feel like it's okay to treat children, that would not fly, right? Like if this dad went to work and treated his boss the same way he treated his son regarding the shower and the boss said, hey, I wanted you to, you know, get this presentation deck to me at five and now it's six. And this dad is yelling, saying like, you know what? You just made me angry and now I have every right to yell at you because how dare you tell me to do something I don't want to do? Would that fly? It really wouldn't, right? So I think we need to start treating our children with a little bit more respect. It seems like this mom is doing a great job and I feel like the dad needs to get some help and get on board ASAP because this is just not cool behavior. The other thing I really didn't like about this is when the mom pulled the son aside to be like, here's why your daddy's mad at you. Go and apologize. When the dad isn't meeting the son at that same place. Actually, it seems like the son might be more mature than the dad because even though the son wasn't exactly fully in the wrong, nobody took a moment to understand why the son behaved the way that he did, but he was still big enough to go and apologize to his dad. And it seemed like his dad wasn't ready to do the same. I think this wife has two toddlers on her hands. Let's go to the top comment. It's long, um, but I really love everything about this comment. And I think it touches on some things that I didn't touch on at all. So it says, find something that the kid really likes. Ideally, something you don't love doing, but that's less important. For us, it's playing with slime. I hate it, but my kid loves making and playing with slime. The other parent is now exclusively the one who does that activity. It's a treat and it's something they do together. Schedule time for them to work on that activity while you're around but disengaged. This may not always work right away, but it could over time. Start off short, like 15 minutes. Gradually work up to something longer. This gives them a chance to have some good interactions. If your husband is anything like my co-parents, having a planned activity that is known to be pleasant makes everything a lot easier. Also, toddlers tend to, know, tend to like to know what's going to happen. They will follow patterns, even if those patterns result in everyone feeling bad. So the dad should check the fridge before he promises nuggets for dinner and don't say if it's not there. Plan and communicate the plan and then stick to the plan. All the kids I've spent any time with do better when they know what to expect. The husband should not argue with the toddler. They are pigs in mud and he's not going to win. Everything is going to get worse. Does your kid like a little physical and emotional space to process disappointment? Maybe work with your husband about how you can give that to him safely. And lastly, 
Some kids are just going to be frustrating. Parents have to keep their cool, and sometimes that means a moment away from the situation. Does your husband ever walk away for a minute with the intention to calm down? Storming off and stewing in order to come back shouting, and another thing, just isn't it. The reason I love this comment so much is because it gives some really concrete examples of things that this father and son can do to create positive bonding experiences. And here's the thing, right? Like, I think the way that I was reacting initially was definitely out of frustration for this mom because I know how overwhelming it can be to be the default parent. I know it can feel smothering. Sometimes you just need a break, even if it's just to go for a drive or go grocery shopping. Um, So I definitely feel the frustration of the mother, but I also understand that it can be really hard to change the entire mindset of another adult. It seems that this dad is stepping up to some degree. He is spending time with his son. The bar should, of course, be higher than that. But there are ways that the mom could set things up to make these interactions more positive and hopefully it can help start to build a better relationship. And I like how concrete that is. The only thing that I will say about this where I don't fully agree is that it seems like the mom, again, is doing all of the emotional labor to set up these positive interactions. And I feel for the mom again because I feel like when it comes to the default parent, and I am the default parent because I'm on maternity leave and I'm home all day with my baby, But when it comes to the default parent, they're doing almost all of the thinking work, like meal prepping, what to schedule, what to do, what to plan next, how to fill their days, what school they're going to, what activities they're going to do. All of that thinking tends to fall on the default parent, and it can be very exhausting. So in those small moments, like this is a small moment for me where I've dropped my kid off at my parents, but in those small moments, I don't want to be asked a million questions. I don't want to be burdened with, oh, let me plan an activity so that my daughter and her grandparents can have something to do together. I just want to be free of that, you know, constant thought process. And I hate that the solution puts more burden on the mom, but I totally get that in this situation because this dad has such a hard time emotionally regulating and might not be willing to get help, that this is a great way to go about it. Now, the second top comment Um, And this is a comment from somebody who actually went through the same experience, which I have never gone through. So I really like hearing the perspectives of people who have been through it. It says, my youngest son, now seven, was exactly like your son when he was little. He told my husband constantly that he only loved mommy to go away. He pushed him off of me, etc. My husband never responded negatively to it and always was just calm and kind to our son in response. When he was about four, he started to say that he liked daddy, but he loved mommy. My husband and I joked between us that he had been given a promotion. That's so cute. Um, Now at seven, he regularly says, I love you, daddy. He asks my husband to do things with him all the time. This is not an issue with your son. He is three. I understand that it's frustrating for your husband, but so is being the smothered parent. My husband understood how intense it was when my son only wanted me and supported me. I think that your husband needs to talk to a professional and get an outside perspective on this as he is the one who needs to change, not your son. Okay, the OP did share a little bit of an update here. It's not the greatest update, um, but hopefully it shows that there's some hope for this family. It says that dad regrets it every single time. He feels so bad about it and would say things like, I would never get upset again, but proceeds to get upset again the next day. And yes, he does feel bad genuinely. So yeah, if the dad really feels bad, like that might be a great starting point to have a conversation on where this family can go from here and what steps the dad can take to support the son more 
through this complex toddler phase. So that is that story. So the next story is from a subreddit called r slash baby bumps. Um, This is a subreddit that I followed quite religiously when I was pregnant and soon after I had the baby because there's just there's just a lot of people there who are genuinely there to be supportive and provide advice on all of the scary things that happen during pregnancy. So you should definitely check that one out if this is for you. Opinions about visitors in the hospital. It says, I am pregnant with my second and having a C-section in three weeks. When I delivered my son, it was during COVID. So we couldn't have any visitors. It ended up being a traumatic birth resulting in an emergency C-section where I was put under. The recovery process was painful. They had me on pain meds and I was just a mess in the hospital. And I got chewed out by the lactation consultants multiple times for asking for formula, even when they themselves couldn't get my son to latch. The only other person I wished was there was my mom to help take care of me and give my husband a break. So I am nervous for this time around. I have never felt more vulnerable and stressed and in more pain in my life than those few days post-birth, and I'm really only comfortable with my mom and husband seeing me that way. My in-laws are supposed to watch my son while we're in the hospital. The other day, my mother-in-law said something about coming to see the baby in the hospital, not asking, but saying how often they want to visit and bringing my son too. I didn't say anything in the moment, only that I didn't want my son visiting me in the hospital, which I've said before. The reason I didn't say anything is because I guess I just assumed they'd be staying with him the entire time, so the topic of them visiting wouldn't even be a problem. And it's not something my husband and I had discussed yet, even though he was aware of my feelings. Later, I mentioned it to my mom, and she told me it would be cruel of me to not allow them to visit, and that they're grandparents too. Bert's in my family have been a family affair, so she doesn't understand why I do this. I also think that she's worried and it would cause more problems than what it's worth. Since my in-laws, especially my mother-in-law, would not take the news kindly, I know that my husband would also want his parents and sisters and her fiancé to come visit too, although he would support whatever I decided on. I love my in-laws, but they stress me out. My mother-in-law and sister-in-law, especially when they get excited, tend to black out a bit and not listen to instructions or boundaries. I also don't want my baby to be passed around so soon. I honestly don't know why it would be such a big deal for them to just wait a couple of days for me to recuperate and heal and spend one-on-one time with my baby before coming home to all of them and my toddler, but nobody else agrees with me, and I do feel selfish and a bit cruel. I'd love to hear everyone else's thoughts and opinions on this. So I actually feel very strongly on this. Giving birth, especially a C-section, is a major surgery. Like, I get that there's a baby at the end of this and that baby is going to be a part of everybody in the family and everybody feels a little bit entitled to seeing this baby. But everyone has to recognize that this mom is about to go through one of the most major procedures that she might go through in her entire life. Like if a male was going through a procedure like this in today's society, they would be getting all the best of the meds, time off of work, all of the support in the world. And I feel like women are expected to just go through this because everybody gives birth. But this is traumatic. This is difficult. And I think it's entirely up to the mom to decide who gets to be there. I'm talking about the mom who's giving birth, not the mother or the mother-in-law or any of these other players. That woman who is giving birth, that human who is giving birth gets to decide who they want in the room at that time and who they want to support them after. And I think this even extends to after they bring the baby home. The baby is vulnerable, they have really low immune systems, and if that mom has decided she doesn't want the baby passed around, she doesn't want her in-laws to be there, it's up to 
her and her husband to set those boundaries. One thing I've realized about parenting over the past year is that it is probably the biggest exercise and boundary setting that I have ever gone through. And the stakes are so high. So I'm setting the boundaries even where I may have, you know, let things go in the past because I'm really clear on what I feel comfortable with when it comes to my daughter. And the first, first place that you are going to be setting those boundaries will be in that postpartum period and right after your baby is born. It's going to set the stage. And I feel grateful that I set those boundaries at that time. I feel grateful that my husband supported me in setting the boundaries with his family at that time. Like I wanted people to be masked the first two months of meeting the baby, which I know might feel a bit intense to other moms. But I think we need to not judge other moms and other parents for the decisions that they are making for their kid. We're all on this big experiment. We're all making decisions based on what we think is best for our child. And I don't regret any of the decisions that I made, but I would have regretted if people stomped on my boundaries and if something happened or if something didn't happen. So it's the mom who gets to decide And surgery is not a spectator sport. People don't get to feel entitled to show up to be there at your most vulnerable. And let me tell you, the 24 hours after birth, and even the week after birth, like, I was wearing diapers, I couldn't walk properly, I had hemorrhoids, like, it's a messy, messy thing. And it's the most vulnerable I have ever felt. And I felt very grateful that in those first couple of weeks, the only people I had coming over were my parents and Arjun. And the reason for that is because I knew that my parents would be there 100% to support me. And they wanted me to feel good. They were there for me. They were not even there for my baby. And that's what I needed at that time to heal, to be happy, to be healthy. And especially if this girl is saying that her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law are the type to get overexcited and black out. That's a really scary thing to experience when you're already vulnerable. Like you need people who are on your team. And I think that the husband just needs to enforce whatever this woman wants. The husband actually doesn't even have a say in this because he's not the one going through major surgery. She's the one going through major surgery. Um, So it is definitely a sounding board of similar experiences and similar opinions, but all of the top comments resonate with what I said. And here's the thing, as a mom, the people I trust most with my baby are the people who respect my boundaries and the people who accept that I am doing parenting in my own way, even if it's not the way that they did parenting whenever they were a parent, right? So I think that we just need to all be gracious. And if you're somebody who knows somebody who's giving birth soon or has given birth recently, just don't judge their decisions and their choices. It's a really, really challenging experience to go through as a mom and I think that we should just lead with love and empathy so the final story for today is from the subreddit am I the a-hole it's one of my favorites am I the a-hole for telling my wife that I would be perfectly capable of doing what she does I 30 male have a wife 30 female and a daughter 7 female if you can hear that rumbling sound it's my stomach rumbling it's like almost lunchtime here Um, I work in finance and my wife is a stay-at-home mom as I earn sufficient money for the both of us My wife is a great stay-at-home mom and takes care of our house. I was lucky to buy a home as I earn well in a medium cost-of-living city. I love my wife, but she finds it humorous to say that I'm incapable of doing household tasks. We had agreed that she would do them while we decided that she would stay at home. But I do stuff occasionally when we're both at home, if she asks me to. But if I load the dishwasher for her, she will claim I did it wrong, just because I do it differently than she does. The other day we were eating and she told me how her day went 
And she went grocery shopping and optimized the cost by buying specific items at specific stores and accounting for the cost by traveling to each store. And she made an offhanded remark that I would never be able to do that and said it in a what would you ever do without me kind of way. I replied back saying that of course I could do it. I handle complex decisions and calculations at my work and I work in finance and I have a master's degree and what I do involves more intellect than household operations. Even though I acknowledged and appreciate what she does, I would be capable if the roles were reversed. She got angry and seems to think I was calling her dumb when I wasn't and she cried and now I feel like the a-hole. She said that she was a very good student And if she had graduated, she would be in my position as well. My wife and I met in college, and she was an international student studying physics and computer science. And she had issues with her loan from her home country and couldn't afford to complete her degree. We got married so she could stay in the country. Initially, she wanted to complete her degree later after finding the funds. But she agreed to be a stay-at-home mom when I got a good job, and I appreciated it a lot because we were able to have a kid early on while I was completing my master's and while working full-time. I don't know why this whole post kind of gives me the ick. Like, I really, really don't like that she wasn't given the freedom to complete her master's if that's something that she really wanted to do. And I feel like she's really trapped in the situation where she might love being a stay-at-home mom, but she shouldn't have to get permission from her husband if she wants to study further or do something. And I just hate that that's kind of how this was worded. The other thing I don't like as someone who is currently at home all day on maternity leave is that when dad is at work, I, I will 100% take over all of the household operations, right? I cook and I clean and I do whatever I need to do for the baby. But if the dad is not working, then all of the chores have to be split 50-50. Like that's the only way that this makes any sense because, um, because if the dad has the luxury of downtime on evenings and on weekends, Well, the mom should have the luxury of the same amount of downtime. And the work is not done in a family until the work is done. So I also didn't get the best feeling when this dad said, oh yeah, this, you know, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, so she does everything. And I do work only when I'm asked. Well, when you're a stay-at-home mom and you're the default parent and you're taking on all of the household operations, as he calls it, then even to ask somebody becomes an other chore that somebody has to do. And let me tell you, as somebody who's been at home now for over a year, and as somebody who's had a rich and full career before that in financial services, being at home is probably one of the most challenging and thankless jobs that I have experienced. Like at work, there's a reward structure, right? You get paid, that's rewards. Maybe there's an awards structure within your workplace where if you do a good job, somebody says, good job, great presentation, good deck, whatever it is. And people are constantly validating you for the work that you're doing. And if you have a team, that validation becomes even strong because becomes even stronger because now you're a boss and you get the validation of being, you know, responsible for somebody else's career and somebody else's work and somebody else's output. At home, there is zero validation structure. There is zero structure where somebody is complimenting me on the things that I'm doing every day. And the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis is mind-numbing. When I was in the workplace, like every day was a new day and I had these great projects and I felt like my brain was being intellectually stimulated and my breaks, they were just about me. I would go for coffee or I would go for lunch or I would meet people after work at a restaurant. 
I felt like I had full autonomy over my life and my brain was engaged and active and it made me happy. And I love being at home. Like, believe me, I've taken the maximum possible maternity leave that I could possibly take so I could spend more time at home with my daughter. But every day sometimes feels like the same day. And obviously my daughter is growing so fast and things are changing. But sometimes when you're on the, you know, 10th hour of her being awake and you've played with all the toys and you've taken two walks and she's gone to her grandparents' house and you've done everything that you can do, it just feels so monotonous. Cooking every day is so monotonous. This wife is obviously doing a killer job of like making mundane top tasks like grocery shopping really exciting for her. She's obviously a very intelligent person. And I feel like the least, the least this husband could do could be to support his wife, to give her validation, to make her feel like what she's doing is valued. And I honestly don't think that this husband could do as good of a job as this wife is doing right now. In fact, I remember there was a study done that I saw where they took a stay-at-home mom that was the default parent, but also doing the cooking and the cleaning. And they priced it out. If this husband had to hire somebody to do everything that the wife was doing, nanny from nine to five, after school care, cooking, cleaning, you know, deep cleaning, laundry, all of that, it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for what this wife is doing. And that wife needs to be valued for the amount of money and the amount of time that she is contributing to the family to enable the husband to do what he needs to do in his life. So the original poster, I'm going to be calling him OP from here on out commented a lot on this post and I think that my initial gut reaction of feeling icky was on point because here are some of the comments that this original poster made. So on the question, does she want to finish her education? He says, she has said that she wants to go back and talked about the great things she could have done, but I never asked her because she always follows it up with, it might be too late. Oh my goodness, encourage your wife, buddy. I did tell her that to an extent it's true. It's hard to start your career late. She would not be able to afford it without me, and she would have less time for our daughter if she did that. Also, I'm not super keen on encouraging that, and she has not mentioned it to me directly. She doesn't even have a bachelor's degree, only an unfinished one. If she went back, I feel like she would want to do the same thing, or just computer science. She's not into arts or business things. She still programs as a hobby. Initially, the plan was for her to actually start working when she was legally allowed to do so after our marriage, and then get another loan and complete her degree. But once I got a good job, I asked her about being a stay-at-home mom and having a child, and she agreed. This seems like the least supportive guy in the whole world. On paying for his wife's education, he says, she was an academic snob back then, so she would want to go back to her Ivy. She knows our finances, and it would be theoretically possible, but it would put a dent in it. She would very likely want to finish her Ivy degree. She has only three semesters left to graduate. I was thinking of talking to her about a second kid, she was previously at an Ivy and tuition is expensive, even more so than when we went. So I don't think we could afford that by working herself. I could only afford it because my parents helped me. Okay, so this guy is where he is today because of the support of everyone around him and he can't grant the same support to his wife? Oh gosh, I feel like he's just trapping her more with another kid. This is really terrible. The top comment, it has an interesting point here about ego. It says, it's clear you're proud of your intellectual capabilities and the complex tasks you tackle at work. It is a part of your identity and your ego. Your wife has none of that, even though that's what she wanted. What little source of pride she has, which is her household task, her spouse diminishes and minimizes? How would you feel if you were in her shoes? I think this guy just likes to be in control, and I hate that. 
That top comment had 50,000 upvotes. So this is a very popular post. The second top comment has 16,000 upvotes. The second top comment has 16,000 upvotes. It says that several people have suggested that you take up her job since you believe you can do it and allow her to return to her education. You have declined. That means you literally can't do her job. You lied. Why would you decline to do this? I'll tell you, because it has a massive personal cost and sacrifice to give up what you want to do so someone, can, someone else can have what they want. That's what your wife did for you, and you aren't capable of that, or you would do it. Forget the groceries. You're literally refusing to do her job because the cost is too high for you to pay. It wasn't too high for her to pay, and it's not too high for her to keep paying. I suggest that you do something to allow her to be more fulfilled. At a minimum, cut back on your work hours so she can return to her education part-time. Take up more at home. Whatever it takes. Either way, it's the bare minimum you owe her. There is something this commenter mentioned that really resonated with me in that when you are a stay-at-home mom, you're giving up something to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's an additional cost of staying at home that people don't really think about. That was today's episode on parenting. I think we talked about all stages of parenting from pregnancy and pre-birth to teenagers. Let me know what you think about this format. Let me know what stories you want me to share next. And if you have your own personal stories, if you're looking for advice or judgment, share them with me on any of my channels at Masala Takes. We are a video and an audio podcast, so you can find us everywhere where you listen or watch podcasts at Masala Takes. And we will see you next week. Bye.